Right here. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. Welcome back to the Redneck Tech Podcast brought to you by Diamondback Covers. Um, on this episode, I'm going to be talking about something I do a lot, which is packing and traveling for a big trip. Um, I think it's a subject that probably doesn't get talked about and it overlooked, gets overlooked a lot. And as when I'm an organizational freak and I'm a gear nut and that kind of thing, it's something that I not only do a lot, but something I enjoy doing. I enjoy packing and getting ready to go in the anticipation of going on a new trip, but I hate unpacking. So I still have stuff in my truck that's not unpacked from the last time I went on a trip, which was weeks ago. So um, when I go to look for stuff, I usually start, start in my truck, but I guess that goes against the grain of being uh, organized like I say that I am. But uh, packing for a trip, I found out when I go on trips is it's a lot harder for other people than it is for me a lot of times to get packed up to get gone and then once the hunt's over to get repacked back in the truck and back home I'm a very goal-oriented person I set my mind to something it's time to go home I've got my stuff in the truck I'm ready to go I can have my stuff packed up in less than 10 minutes no matter how much crap that I brought because like I said, I've created a system. I know how to get it in the bags. I know how to get it in the boxes. I know where things go. Get it in the truck and let's go. That's kind of, that's how I've always rolled. That's how I've always rolled. So um, a couple of things to consider when you are getting ready to go on a big trip. First and foremost, are you driving or flying? And I get asked that a lot. You know, you know, I, you know, hey, you travel all over the place, this, that, and the other. How is it flying? Well, I fly some, but I drive most most everywhere. I've kind of got a timer, you know, in my head or in I get not in my head, but if it's 12 to 14 hours driving, I'm driving it. I don't First of all, I don't want to fly because it's expensive to fly. Second of all, I can't take as much stuff with me if I'm flying. I have to really consolidate what I take, what I can what I can take, what I can't take. And airports are awful. But I've got a, a bunch of tips for both of those things, whether you're driving, driving or flying. Really the first thing to consider when you are, you know, when you know you're driving or flying is, first thing I'm going to look at is what kind of hunt is it? Is it a whitetail hunt? Is it, uh, you know, if it's a whitetail hunt, are we going to be in tree stands primarily? Are we going to be on the ground at all in a ground blind? Uh, is it an elk hunt? Is it a spot stalk? Is it, you know, what what kind of hunt is it? What what is this hunt going to entail? Because that's gonna determine what I bring. Am I gonna have to bring a camera arm? I always bring my tripod regardless. But am I gonna have to add a camera arm to that? How am I gonna pack that? How am I gonna fly it? If I'm driving, it doesn't make a big, you know, it's not a big deal. Can I pack heavy? You know what what's the weather look like? What's the extended forecast on where I'm going? Is there, if I'm doing a big, you know, like Alaska type hunt or Canadian type hunt, is there a float plane involved? And if there's a float plane, you know, does it have weight restrictions? So there's a lot of things that you need to look into before you go. 
next thing you got to consider is, uh, am I going out of the country? A lot of things that, one thing I didn't realize I needed when I went to Canada was, it's called a carnet. I think how you say it. And essentially a carnet is a passport for your luggage. I did not know what that was. Did not know I needed that. I pretty much had to boldface lie to the, what are they called? Customs agents when I got into Canada to get through and to get through into Canada because they weren't going to let me because I didn't have a carnet. And I had a bunch of expensive camera equipment and Canada's really big on making sure that Canadians get hired for jobs in Canada and not, you know, Americans come in and doing those jobs. So, you know, the lady's asking me, hey, where's your carnet? And I said, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, she said, you have to have that if you're working in Canada. And I told her that I wasn't working, that I was going to hunt with a friend of mine and we were just going to trade off filming. She's like, well, that looks like some, you know, really expensive camera equipment. And I just told her, yeah, I'm rich, which is not true, but she couldn't prove me otherwise. So reluctantly, she let me through. And that's how I got into Canada the first time. Coming back into America was not a big deal, but you know, that's something that I didn't really look into before I went. It's the first time there. Luckily, I got through. You know, sometimes you're not so lucky. If you're going to a country other than Canada, sometimes you need a work visa. Uh, if you're going to certain parts of Africa and some parts of, you know, that part of the world, you're going to need shots. Um, another thing you need to worry about if you're going to another country, especially South American countries and even South Africa, you better have some cash on you because. Everybody, once you land, wants to, you know, push your bags, help you in any way, open your door, and they expect tip. So you might as well carry a couple of bucks, give them a couple of bucks, because otherwise you're going to get hounded and you're going to get some dirty looks. So I always say carry a little bit of cash. Once you get to where you're going, do you have a hotel? Where are you staying? Are you out in a rental car? How much gear will fit in your hotel room? How much gear will fit in your rental car? Who else is going on the trip with you and how much gear do they have? These are all things that I've had to learn the hard way on trips is get there and I've got a lot of stuff and the guy I came with has got a lot of stuff and we're in essentially a Prius and uh, we're essentially driving and riding on of our luggage or strapping it on top or how, whatever we got to do to get it there. You got to, you know, cross your T's and dot your I's before you get there. Um, where... Where you're going doesn't have a place to wash clothes. That's another thing to consider that a lot of people don't think about. If the place that you're going has a place to wash clothes, then that makes life easier. You don't have to pack near as much crap as far as clothes go. Well, you know, take your you know your evening, your your middle of the day when you might not be doing anything, throw them in the wash or whatever. So that's that's going to help you. You know, like I said, look at that extended forecast for where you're going. Plan for the you know worst, hope for the best kind of thing. How long are you going to be gone for? That's another thing that, um, that's bit me before. Is I went on a trip thinking it was going to be 14 days, and it turned into one trip turned into 32. I was not packed for 32 days, and that extended forecast only went for 10 days, and it went from a low of 40 to a low of like 10, and I was not packed for 10. Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Same thing. And finally, the last thing that you need to know is where where am I going to hunt or film? Is it public or private? If it's private, then you need to have location releases and talent releases. I tell people this because, you know, I've not ever heard of anybody in this business, you know, getting bit for it, bit by it by not having them. But, you know, it's one of those things that's better to be safe than sorry. And when I say talent release or location release, a lot of times you can get them on the Internet 
or you can write it up yourself. Essentially, it needs to say something like, you know, you give such and such web show or TV show permission to use your building or your location or your face or your likeness on TV and just kind of write out where all those things may be, you know, get them to sign it. Some people don't like to sign it. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll get an on-camera release. I'll try and get both, but stick the camera in their face and say, so, you know, tell me and spell your name. No, do I, do I have your permission to use your face on camera for X, X TV show? Yeah, you do. And so usually that's that will suffice, but always get a written release if you can. I also like to carry waivers of liability for somewhere that we might not, or somebody's leery about letting us hunt. You know, get them to sign that waiver of liability that says, you know, if somebody falls out of a tree stand, somebody shoots herself. You know, it's not on you. It's on, you know, whoever the idiot was that, you know, wasn't paying attention. So that's just something simple to remember. So, you know, just to kind of go back through those, you know, you need to know if your driver is flying, what kind of hunt is it? Are you going out of the country? Hotels or, you know, rental cars? Do we have too much gear to fit in those things? You know, do we have those planned? Where are you going? Can you watch clothes there? Look at your extended forecast. How long are you going to be gone? Or And is it public or private? Those are all things to consider before you ever leave. Okay, so now you've considered all those things. Now we are going to be flying. Okay, first things first. If you are flying somewhere, if you fly more than once a year, get online and get a TSA pre-check. It's like 80 bucks. It's good for, I think, eight years. And it gives you essentially permission to pass everybody. It gets you in that TSA pre-check line. You don't have to take off your shoes. You don't have to take your laptop out of the bag. It is worth every dime. If you ever stood in line for the security line one time, because my, my airport's always Atlanta, and Atlanta's awful. If you've stood in line at a long line in an airport for security one time, that TSA paycheck pays for itself, and it's paid for itself for me a hundred times over. Makes my life so much easier. Absolutely get it. It's 80 bucks. lasts for eight years. When you are flying, I think it is important to pack fairly light. I like to never have more than, I like to have never more than one check bag, never more than two. Just because, let's be honest, TSA doesn't care. It is no skin off their back if you don't get your stuff. And usually the things that are in those bags are usually pretty expensive. And I don't want them, you know, growing legs and leaving friend of mine, Mike Denon, flew a DJI-inspired drone right after they came out, and it never showed back up, and he never got it back. So it's one of those things to where those people know what's in those boxes and what's in those cases, and they're either going to purposely try and break them, or they're going to keep them for themselves. Um, another really good thing that I learned over the years, if you're going to be flying a lot, get somebody or find somebody you know or find a place online that can make up credentials and make yourself up some media credentials. And what needs to be on your media credentials is a, you know, a picture, like a, a picture of you. It needs to be, you know, your company name or the show name that you're working for. And then maybe the networks that that show airs on because it needs to, you know, look professional. It needs to look, you know, legitimate. Look up some examples of media credentials. And when I was at Sub7, we made some and I still use it to this day. And it's the, the great thing about media credentials is when you are, getting you know, when you're checking bags a lot of times my bags are always overweight or I have more than one and usually you might get one free bag or one bag at 50 bucks and the next bag's like 300 or something stupid 
that media credentials, especially with the big airlines, will either get you A, free bags, or will get you highly reduced price bags, or it will get you no overages on your weight. So it is worth it to buy that media credential. It will pay for itself in one time of getting you out of an overage on your on your baggage. It's They're not hard to get made, man. It's just get on there and... Google how to make a credential, you know, and, or, and I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a million companies out there that make them. Um, the next thing that I say as far as flying is invest in some good cases. I use Pelican cases. They are bulletproof. I use them all the time. I've got a 1610 and a 1510. The 1510 is the small one that's essentially considered the carry-on size, and that's what exactly what to do for with it. I carry it on, and I have a, uh, a Cinebag C25, I think it's the name of it. It's on my, uh, it's on the Redneck Tech website, uh, RednecTech.com, RednecTechPodcast.com. Um, you can see that bag on the gear page. Um, so here's how I set mine up: is I take the foam out of my six, my 1510 and my 1610. My 1610 is my really big case. So I have my 1610. I take all the foam out, and then I wrap. Any, like, my tripod head, my um, sticks, camera arm, whatever is going in there, non-essential items, which they are essential, but they're not essential. You can run, you can handhold your camera if you had to. So I take all those things, the big, bulky, heavy things, and I put them in that 1610, then I wrap my clothes around them in that case. So normally I try and get all my clothes and all that support gear in that case. Then I take my 1510, which is my small carry-on, and that's where I put all my camera bodies. So I put my DSLR body, well, that usually goes in my bag. I put my big camera body, my my Garmin, my, uh, what other cameras? Uh, my chargers, my batteries, my media, all that goes in that 1510. And it's usually really tight, which I like it tight because... That way it doesn't shuffle around when I'm moving and, you know, running, throwing it in the overhead compartment or whatever. But I keep all those in the carry-on. And the reason I keep those in the carry-on is because if my bag gets lost with all my clothes, I can always run and go buy some more clothes to go, you know, finish a hunt until I find them. And I have my cameras. If my cameras are under the plane and they lose them, I just got paid to do a job I can no longer do. So I never, ever, ever, ever leave my cameras under the plane. They always go onto the plane with me. I've even carried them in my hands and let them ride in my lap in the, in the plane before because I'm not trusting TSA with all my stuff. And I have my backpack, which is that Cinebag C25. I need to look it up. Um, but I keep all my lenses, my DSLR, my laptop, cables, you know, one or two extra batteries, all that kind of good stuff in that bag. So it's on my back. I got the 1510 in my hand rolling behind me, and then I'll check the big 1610 if I have to. If I can do it without checking any bags, I absolutely will. But very rarely do I get to fly on a trip where I don't have to check at least one bag. So that's how I get everything, and that's how, my, that, you know, that's my general setup when I'm flying. But I, I cannot stress enough, don't ever leave your big cameras, or all your essentials, essential, what I call essential gear that you can't do your job without, don't check those things. Or at least don't check all of them. At least have a backup camera in your hand or on your person when you're flying because, you know, the time you need it the most, that's when it's going to get lost. 
So now we've talked about flying. Now we're going to talk about driving. And that's what I do most of the time is drive. Driving is so much better because you can pack so much more. I drive pretty much everywhere. I think I figured it up. Season two or three of The Habit before I left, we did 400 and something hours. Not miles. 400 something hours in the truck. Um, We filmed 13 shows. And we drove to 12 of them. And uh, they were all, every trip was over seven, eight hours. We never had a shorter drive than seven or eight, which seven or eight hours now is nothing. I mean, I'll do seven hours, my eyes closed. But that's the great thing about driving is you can take so much more stuff with you. If you don't um, have an awesome truck bed cover like I do, like my Diamondback, you need to keep a roll of those construction grade um black trash bags in the back seat of your truck because it's going to rain and you're not going to be able to fit everything in the back seat. Put them on that trash bag, roll on. Always keep ratchet straps because you never know when you're going to need to strap something down or add to your stuff or you find a good yard sale on the side of the road and need to bring back a four-wheeler. Who knows? The next thing that I've not learned the hard way, but I know people that have learned the hard way as far as driving, is knowing your laws and states that you're going across. Not only game laws, but in my case, or in cases that I've heard of, concealed carry laws. I know most guys listening to this probably have a concealed carry permit or carry a handgun or a rifle in their truck or a shotgun or whatever. But states like Illinois, Illinois is always the one that scares the crap out of me because not only are their game laws crazy about you know transporting a gun in your car, you know, if it's for hunting or not for hunting, their carry laws are crazy. Like, you have to have your ammunition and your gun separated, both of them locked. You know, they don't they don't have reciprocity for concealed carry laws. Like, I have a Georgia concealed carry license, but they don't recognize that. So, that's not something that they, you know, pay attention to. That's something you need to think about. Because if you're driving through that state and you get pulled over, and you just drove through five states where it wouldn't have mattered if you got pulled over, you get pulled over in Illinois... And they ask you if you've got a gun in the car and you, you know, should be honest because, you know, if they have probable cause or you're doing something stupid and they open your car and you've just got a, I think it's a felony. I think it's a really bad, you know, deal. But it's one of those things to where just don't be stupid. Know your laws. Know your game laws. And another thing for driving, I usually like to, um, I like to use the Waze app because I have a heavy foot and usually the Waze app does a pretty good job of on the interstates to tell you where the police are. But I usually like to set my cruise at like eight or nine miles an hour over and I'm usually fine. I used to get pulled over all the time when I was younger and dumber. But um, here's a, <laughs> this is crazy. This is a Redneck Tech podcast. So this is what we're talking about. But it's it's good information. And I heard this on the radio one time, I listened to the Bobby Bone show when I lived in Columbus. And this is a tip that he gave several years ago. And I've gotten pulled over twice since I've heard this. And before I had heard this tip, I had never gotten a warning. I had always gotten a ticket. Now, since I do this, I have not gotten a ticket, which I've only gotten pulled over twice since I started doing this. But that's two times I've got warnings that otherwise I probably would have gotten tickets. First and foremost, if you get pulled over, and you know you did something wrong, which most of the time you do, first and foremost, put your car in park, take your keys out of the ignition, lay them on the dash, make sure both of your hands are visible, and turn your radio off, 
when the officer comes to the window. If he can see, if it's dark outside, turn your inside lights on. Make sure he can see everything because if that officer is comfortable when he comes to your door, because, I mean, those guys don't know when it's going to be there, you know, when some, some crazy person is going to be on the other side of this, you know, routine traffic stop. Be cordial. Be respectful. Yes, officer. No, sir. Thank you. You know, I appreciate it. Yeah, I know I was speeding. Whatever it is. And then I swear to you, the last two times I've done that to where, and I've even had one of them tell me the reason he's giving me a warning is because I made him feel so comfortable when he walked up to my truck. He knew I was not a threat whatsoever. He knew that I was no threat of running. I was no threat of shooting at him. And he even asked me when he came up to the truck, I had both, you know, the keys on the dash, both my hands so he could see my lights on. It was in North Carolina. And uh, he asked me, he said, uh, he said, son, you got any, you know, guns in the truck? I said, yes, sir, I do. And he said, okay. I said, I've got, uh, and at the time I honestly couldn't remember. It was two or three. I was like, yeah, I've got two or three in here. He said, he said, all right, you're fine. No big deal. He's like, so as long as I can see your hands, we're all good, buddy. And I said, I said, well, my hands are going to stay right here unless you need something, me to hand you something. And, um, you know, he told me, you know, we got to talking, you know, he said, where are you going? I was actually going to a job there and, um, he let me off with a warning because he said, you know, I knew you weren't a threat. You were respectful and cordial. I think that's where a lot of people go wrong is they want the officer to, you know, come and do all this stuff and they essentially instigate them into doing the, the, I guess the quote unquote bad cop thing when all you had to do was be a decent human being, you know, and take into consideration what these guys you know, what the possibility is every time they walk up to the car. But you take that, you you know, make them comfortable. Nine times out of ten, they probably won't write you a ticket. I've gotten a warning both times, and I was speeding pretty bad in one of them. Um, another thing, I drive a lot of long trips. A lot of times I drive all night because I want to be there the next morning to hunt, or I don't leave here until late. I'll put kids down and get in the truck and take off driving, which... Some people say isn't safe, but I've done it this now to this point so many times. It's just it's just another thing now. My tip, because a lot of people fall asleep driving, which I've never fallen asleep, but I've definitely dozed. Um, what I've found that will keep you awake more than anything is sunflower seeds. Now, I played baseball. I can chew sunflower seeds with the best of them. If you're chewing sunflower seeds, go get the Lance brand you know, regular sunflower seeds or the Spitz brand because they have the least amount of seasoning on them. They won't tear your mouth up. As long as you're chewing sunflower seeds and you your mind is working on something, you won't even doze, you won't even get tired, and you can roll on. Keep chewing sunflower seeds and you'll be you'll be good to go. And my last thing that I've always done that I've <laughs> that I've, you know, learned the last couple, you know, years is Every time you go through that Burger King and you ask for extra mustard and ketchup or a straw, they always forget. So always keep a couple of extra of those in your glove box. Um, and find some good podcasts to listen to because, I mean, who you know, when you're on the road for 14 hours, you need something to listen to anyway. But, um, you know, that's just kind of my couple of the things that I've learned over the years when it comes for packing for a trip. You know, there's there's so many variables, but... Once you've done this a few times, you'll 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 first of all you'll understand what you do need on a trip, and then you'll say, "Well, I've taken this the last three times, I haven't used it yet. Probably not going to use it on this trip. Leave it behind." Or you'll figure out how to get to the airports quicker. You'll figure out 
and you'll figure out a lot of stuff. And a lot of times it's the hard way. And, you know, for my, in my case, it's usually the hard way because I always used to travel with, you know, three to four people. And when you're talking about three to four people worth of gear on a trip, it's a lot of stuff. So you had to always be conscious of what you were taking, what they were taking, how long you're going to be there, where you're going, you know, what you're hunting, all that good stuff. And it's, you know, it's subject to change. So you have to be ready for that. That's half of what we do is, you know, roll with it because it's hunting and it rarely ever goes how we want it to go. But um, I uh, hope that helped you in some way. There's, you know, like I said, a couple things I've learned along the way that that if you're out there hunting and filming as much as I am, it will help you at some point. Um, all new on the website is I have a gear page set up with all the products that I use, that I trust, that I have, you know, beaten to death for the last you know several years um not everything but most of everything that i use is up there and they're all amazon links because they're all can be bought on amazon um, i love amazon i've probably talked about that a couple times if you don't have a prime account you're an idiot because amazon prime is the greatest thing ever it's a 100 bucks a year and there's like a zillion products that you can get you can get free two-day shipping on um you also get all the perks that amazon prime has which is like movies videos you know music all that good stuff but i have that there if you go on there and look you know look for stuff and you click you can click that thing and go right to it on amazon and buy it straight off of there you know it's one of those things where i get asked what do i use all the time so i just set up a gear page you go there and you can look at all the stuff that i'm currently using all the stuff that i have even some stuff that i'm trying to buy you know that kind of good stuff but uh if you like the podcast, if you like what you know, what I'm talking about, what I'm doing, what I'm about, what the, you know, what the subjects are, please, you know, go and rate, um, give it a rating, and if you really love it, write a review on iTunes because that's what helps us, you know, that's what helps the show, you know, reach some more people, and that's, you know, that's the whole point of, you know, doing this is I want to get some information out there. Um, so like and subscribe, five stars, reviews, all that good stuff. Um, if you need to find us on Instagram, it's at redneck tech podcast. And uh, our email is redneck tech podcast at gmail.com. I uh, hope you guys learned something. Um, keep questions coming. I've gotten several today on sequence settings. Uh, I got one today, actually Jeff Bigler called me today and it was having a really crazy like compression thing where it was compressing his music and I actually had never seen it before. Walked him through a few things, and I don't think he fixed it, but I'm not 100% sure because I've never never seen it before. But he was also working on a PC, so that's part of his problem. But uh, anyway, I love you, Jeff. Um, got any questions? Holler at me. Thanks, guys. Oh.